What's up, founders, and welcome to the very first episode of this podcast. My name is Asia. I am the founder of Demand Maven, and we work with early stage startups on reaching their very first growth milestones. And we're kind of in an interesting time right now. Well, first of all, did I think I would be creating a podcast right now? No, absolutely not. Especially not in this climate, in this environment, in this current period that we're all in. And I think the second thing is most of us are, what, four to five weeks now, I think, into either stay-at-home orders or quarantine. I think most of us are also about two to three months into just overall global pandemic. And I imagine most of you are... You're thinking about what can you do over the short term to stay alive? What needs to happen financially for you, for your business to survive this incredibly just challenging and trying period? And especially since the experts are predicting that we're going to be dealing with this for at least the next six months and likely the next 12 months, even up to 18 and potentially even two years, 24 months, which personally... It's kind of shocking. (laughs) And also not when you think about how pandemics actually work. But that said, some of you are also considering, well, what we need to do to stay alive, even in the short term. From a financial perspective, uh, already we're seeing layoffs. We're seeing small businesses consider loans. And we're also seeing contract pauses, uh, just overall press the stop button on any go-to-market activity. And then there are others who might be in a slightly different financial situation from a business perspective, but there are others who are considering, okay, well, even even if everything does pause, or even if we know that we've got at least the next six months, what do we do from a go-to-market perspective? What do we do with marketing? What do we do with sales? What do we do with what we've got? And this, my friends, is where... Personally, I really feel like I can help, and I've been going back and forth on what makes sense for me uh, in order to provide value to everyone, and not just my clients, because what I've been working with uh, client-wise, or at least what I've been helping my clients with, it's been largely focused on exactly that. How do we navigate the next few months and then beyond? What do we focus on? How do how does our perspective shift? How do our clients and customers and prospects, how do their perspective shift? And what do we need to do to meet halfway? And granted, a lot of us are in a pause right now, which is why I think this is actually the perfect time to be thinking about this and to be preparing for it. Overall, though, this is where I can at least help. Instead of uh, keeping all of these thoughts to myself, at least, I wanted a way to quickly and easily share with you not only what I've been uh, working with my clients on and how we've been approaching this, but also research that I found, studies that I found, and just other perspectives about how to navigate, especially from a growth and just overall go-to-market perspective, this incredibly challenging time. So this is my contribution, and I hate that this is my first episode, (laughs) but at the same exact time, I personally, this is helpful even for me to remind myself that these are the truths, or at least some of these are, um, uh, some of these at least are going to have an incredible impact for you and your businesses, 
And at the same exact time, this, it's also what I'm already seeing. And I think telling these stories and making sure that you guys know this information as well, it brings me joy. Um, so uh, a little bit of Marie Kondo there. <laughs> it can stay. Okay, but let's get into the list. Now, before I get into what those things are, I've got seven. And I just want to throw out the disclaimer. And, you know, fortunately, I do feel compelled to say this. But these aren't necessarily going to be things that all of you should listen to. Please use your absolute best judgment. Because only you can really know what your situation is uh, and what you're comfortable with and what makes sense for you in your market. But I can say most of these, uh, I would say like 80% of these are going to be pretty applicable. And I think that there are things that you can actively use. Whether you are a startup, an early stage startup, late stage, series A, bootstrapped, or if you're a consultant or a small business, it doesn't really matter. Most, if not all of these things are going to be pretty applicable to you. And a lot of it, honestly, is really going back to basics. So let's let's dig in. We're probably going to be here for a while. So apologies in advance if this is long. But uh, I just wanted to, again, I wanted to share this. And there will be a, a written accompaniment to this, uh, to this episode. So there will actually be an article if you'd prefer to read. I know some of y'all are like that. You want to skim. You just want to, you know, fast forward. But yeah, I hope that this provides value. And I'm excited to hear your feedback, your thoughts, and also your experiences. All right, number one, you are going to be extremely tempted to stop marketing and selling altogether. And don't get me wrong, pausing absolutely makes sense. Taking that pause to really see how your market reacts, I think absolutely makes sense. But one thing I would throw a massive caution to is pausing all of your go-to-market activities too much for too long and too long debatable now this is something that i really do believe that it just really depends on your situation where you're at overall in the market and in your business some of you will likely not be able to afford certain services anymore some of you have already started thinking about tightening the belt but uh i think overall though there's too much research that shows that when you stop marketing and sales and go-to-market activities during a recession or during any kind of economic downturn, you're actually less likely to come out on top. And so much so that at least a third of companies who do actually continue uh, continued efforts in go-to-marketing, in, in just marketing and sales in general, those who continue that uh, and are as focused and prioritized and data-driven as possible, those are usually the ones that actually come out on top. To back this up, there's actually an amazing article from, uh, I believe his name is Derek Gleason. I could be totally wrong. Oh man, I should have checked his name. But he wrote an article on the cxl.com blog, Conversion Excel. And it's all about how to navigate during pretty dark times. How, how should you navigate marketing and sales? And a lot of actually what this article was saying is a lot of what I've been saying, which I thought was awesome because I actually felt it felt really good to be super aligned. But one thing that uh, I, I believe Gleason found was he found a number of different just 
research articles, just research in general from pretty well-known brands. So McKinsey and Harvard Business Review, both of them have analyzed how do businesses not only survive through recessions and economic downturns, but how do they thrive? The overwhelming evidence was that those businesses that didn't just make cuts, like they they didn't just cut and then held it together, but they they might have made some cuts to some things, but overall, they still continued their go-to marketing efforts. They just got infinitely more focused. They used their data and they also really focused on the market itself. So those who reacted to the market response, those were the ones who typically came out on top, but they didn't necessarily stop marketing or stop sales or anything like that. They really just shifted their view. They pivoted how they were doing it. Their execution changed, their priorities changed, but they didn't completely stop marketing and selling their businesses altogether. So what I'm gonna say to you is, and this is where it gets kind of tricky because I don't know your situation, but you know your situation. If you need to pause for a while on marketing and sales, go for it. If that ensures your survival in the short term, do it. But if you pause and you get to a place, let's say like in a month or two, eventually people will, especially buyers, when I say people, I really mean buyers, buyers will eventually get to a place to where we all adapt to a new normal. And as we move through crisis, there is light at the end of the tunnel. It will end. Where you want to be is on the other end of that light. You want to be there. So as you start to approach the new normal, so do your prospects and your buyers and the rest of the world. Eventually, they're going to go back into buyer mode and the world will no longer be as much on pause. And I think that that's the important thing to remember. So just throwing caution to the wind. And I promise I'm not saying all of this just because I'm a marketing consultant or a growth consultant. I'm telling you this because there's research and there's data that suggests actually the opposite. Take your time, think about it, but consider what your longer term approach will need to be, which is a great segue into my second point. This is something that I've actually been telling all of my clients. It's time to start thinking long term. Typically, whenever I start working with an early stage company, it's all about the short term. It's all about the, okay, like what, what can we do and see results in the next month or two months or three months? And I would consider that pretty short term just because marketing and growth in general, it takes time, especially if it's good. I think when it comes to what we're experiencing now, the shift is going to be far much more focused on marketing and sales activities that stand the test of time. Some of those examples include, I'm just going to give you examples, I'm not saying that this is necessarily the answer, but these are examples. SEO, organic search, acquisition channels that are extremely low cost, which organic search, it doesn't cost anything to search uh, inside of Google, for example. It doesn't, uh, the acquisition cost of that, I mean, apart from creating whatever the content is and publishing on the site, there you don't pay for someone to have to search you unless you're doing paid search marketing which is obviously a different story but organic search that's free in theory it's free in theory but it's a long-term strategy and it's always one of those things that a lot of founders wait to execute on but now that we are entering into a slower time in life this is the time to start thinking about what that seo organic search content marketing strategy could and should be because it's unlikely that we're going to see quick uh, quick turnaround times, at least, on 
getting those like uh, closed deals extremely fast. I, we're we're entering into really, I mean, it's a recession, right? It's a it's a downturn, so people are going to be much more cautious and risk averse. It's going to be harder to get paying customers. If that's the case, then we need to be thinking long term. So, what are some of the things that do that from a marketing perspective? Again, SEO, organic search, people searching either searching for solutions or searching for answers. Uh, and hopefully you're providing things that they find and you can build trust and rapport with those things or with those people, I should say. The other thing that I that I think about when I think about long term, and I'm just going to throw out a few, but partnerships come to mind. Co-marketing is going to be pretty interesting, I think, moving forward, because those are relationships that you build with other brands and other people and other marketers and other founders you can leverage those to your to really both of your advantages over the long term community this is also something that comes to mind when thinking long term community is not one of those activities or practices or strategies that happens overnight building an audience does not happen overnight so what i predict at least what we're going to see a pretty big shift in just go to market wise for many companies it's going to be a new emphasis on community building, audience building, and thought leadership. Those are the kinds of things that, again, might not turn around a customer immediately, but you are going to be so glad you did it six months from now. Do you need to do all those things? No, but there's likely a few in there that are going to be good fits for you. And there are even some that I did not cover that I would consider very long-term. They're not necessarily going to generate a bunch of leads in you know a couple weeks or uh, even generate buying customers in a short amount of time. As we enter into, again, a much more risk-averse market, and as we enter into that new this new phase and this new way of being, the way that you get customers to close is by building trust and building rapport. That was always the case, but now that's going to be even more so the focus. So what are some of the marketing and sales activities that you can do that encourage that, that longer term focus. Content marketing, content creation in general, when I think about organic search and SEO, those are the, usually the ones that come to mind. Number three, shift your mindset to providing value. What you produce over the coming months should be almost exclusively about providing value. And it's weird to say this because from a marketing and overall growth perspective, that's always the case. We're always thinking about what kind of value we're providing. Hard sells and, again, the short-term tactics, I think that those are going to just become a lot harder. Everyone is slamming on the brakes right now. People are far more cautious about where they're putting their dollars and where they're putting their overall spend. And I don't think it's necessarily a hard and fast rule, but I do believe that this is going to be far more common. We're going to see uh, just so much more hesitation overall. So how we work with that energy, if you will, is by focusing on how do we build trust and provide value in sales conversations, in your onboarding emails, even when people start a free trial or visit your website, how can you position yourself, your brand, your business in a way that just has tons of value at every single turn? And this is more than just we're offering free content. This is every single part or step of the customer buyer journey. Now, this should always be true. But I, again, I think this is going to be even more emphasized over time. I think that the businesses that are more flexible, that really want to work with customers and really work within their means, I think that those are going to be the brands that ultimately win. And on top of that, the brands that create value, 
and produce content and produce things that provide that value and it is truly experienced by the customer those are going to be the brands who build trust faster they build rapport faster and they're ultimately going to be able to bring their deals over the finish line and i think that that's going to be something that i look out for for every single one of my accounts but then also what i would encourage everyone to start thinking about so a couple questions for you here what are your customers currently going through what are they going through that you can shed some light on where can you be a beacon of light that it sounds fluffy but but that's the real of it if you can speak to your prospect to your customer in that way that's truly shifting your mindset to be focusing more on how you can provide value your customers your prospects they're experiencing something right now and if you can help them in any kind of way whether that's providing industry research or reports or insight or uh, guiding strategies or best practices for what to do now those are going to be the kinds of things that ultimately help people and then do you need to extend your free trial do you need to work hand in hand with customers from now on on getting everything set up going above and beyond it's going to just move mountains for you that that is going to be always true in every scenario but i think especially now okay number four check your value props some of your value props aren't going to shift at all but the market is going to shift they are going to see you your product your business in a different light some much different than others and for a lot of you not at all <laughs> identifying what those shifts are is really going to be task number one but task number two is really understanding where do you need to also shift those value propositions in your messaging uh, and this could be on your website uh, through your onboarding emails in your sales conversations it needs to be reflected everywhere but really the first step is understanding how has it shifted and then once you've identified that see how it matches up against your existing value propositions a great example of this it's a it's actually a client of mine so there's a client that i have whose value prop originally pre-pandemic we focused mostly on roi the roi that you get out of this particular product is 10 times that of what you'd see of the competing alternative but now in the conversations that we're having from a sales perspective now it's far more about mitigating risk and regaining control which is a very different shift than focusing exclusively on roi so of course everything that we do needs to shift towards that uh, the messaging on the website needs to shift. All of our nurture emails need to shift a little bit more to focus on less on the ROI and a lot more on the mitigating risk and regaining control. Sales decks are changing. I mean, pretty much every single touch point that we have with a customer, especially through the conversion process or the sales process, needs to be updated and evaluated and just making sure that we're not focusing on the wrong value prop at the wrong time and that we bring them in after only after we've drilled down into the main ones number five it is time to pay off your analytics debt because a lot of you have it <laughs> and right about now you might be wishing that you didn't you might have heard of technical debt i think we've all especially if you're a technical founder you might have heard of technical debt just like in the SaaS world in general and it's pretty much when you instead of rebuilding a particular part of the code base you instead continue to build on top of it but over time that code base becomes weakened because there's better more efficient ways to serve up that same exact code 
And instead of taking the time to rewrite it, you instead incur technical debt. The same concept applies to analytics, however. With analytics, though, it's really more about you've gone for way too long and you've grown way too much without proper analytics. And this includes subscription metrics. This includes website analytics. This includes really strong overall sales, CRM, marketing data as well. And what ends up happening to businesses is you go so long with analytics debt and you carry that around with you for however long, years, sometimes sometimes even longer, which is kind of shocking, but it exists, it happens. And you get to a place to where you really need to make decisions based off of data, but you don't have it. Or if you do have it, it's not in any easily accessible way. There's no place for you to go to query, to answer your to answer questions and to kind of look at your crystal ball and see, okay, what what does the future hold? This is the perfect time to tackle that. And part of that is because, well, since everyone's on pause, the best thing that you can do is go to your existing data and go to your database, go to your CRM, go to wherever you go, your subscription metrics. Take a second to really dig deep into what the trends are, what you can likely expect. And from there, you can actually make decisions based off of go to market whether you should pause some things and continue to expand others because they're really well converting. It's also going to be really important for you to keep your ear to the ground on the pulse of the business and what is actually happening from a go-to-market perspective. Because the reality is a lot of dashboards, a lot of analytics uh, platforms and tools out there, a lot of it is actually really similar to what we're experiencing in the pandemic now. There are lagging indicators, meaning they only tell us what happened a few days ago, but it doesn't necessarily tell us what's happening right now. And that latency is always going to be something that you come up against. There are, of course, leading indicators, things that can highlight what the future holds. But if we're not able to analyze the past, it's going to be really, really, really hard to understand our present and then, of course, our future. So if you've got analytics debt, meaning you're one of the ones who isn't using subscription metrics or proactively taking a look at their marketing analytics or sales analytics or sales data, or even taking the time to pull that together to ask the right questions to then to get information to understand, this is the time. You might be worried about what does the future hold from a short-term perspective anyway, but if you have the bandwidth, I would say go ahead and take care of it now because moving forward, you're going to want that data. You're going to you're going to want to be able to look at something and know if it's giving you the ROI that you're expecting and if it's worth the investment. That is going to be something that uh, I imagine it's going to be a pretty big trend over the next three months, six months, and probably even longer than that. Number six, we are going to re-enter the age of brand. I cannot believe I am saying this because... As a demand gen marketer, my background, at least in demand gen, it feels very weird to say, yes, be thinking about brand. And the reason why is because traditionally and very stereotypically, brand campaigns are not big converters. However, <laughs> again, we're, we're in a we're in a new we're in a paradigm shift right now. The top priorities that I would say for founders and leaders out there right now is to build trust to build rapport. Building an audience now has never been more important. Building trust and rapport even more so. And that's because, again, you want to be out on top at the end of all of this. You want to have gained the support, the trust, 
the reverence of your prospects and your customers. And to not means, well, one, your competitors likely will, (laughs) and two, easily forgotten. And I think that those are places where we don't want to be. Building this trust and building this rapport and building an audience, it's not purely for gain. Again, we need to be of a service mindset. We need to be of a value mindset. How can we provide value? We need our customers and hopefully you love your customers. <laughs> but I think from a from a building an audience and building that rapport, at the end of the day, it comes down to building trust. And one of the ways that we do that is through thinking about brand. Something that I recommended to one of my clients who was thinking about responding to the pandemic and They wanted to respond to it in a meaningful way, not just like a, hey, we've got a free trial, like use our product for free, which don't get me wrong, would actually be beneficial. They're in the right market. They're in the right category to do that and it be perceived as valuable. But they wanted to go a step further. They wanted to do more. And one thing I asked them was, what's your mission statement? What's your vision statement? How how do you see your company existing as a brand? And how do you embody that in every single way? Now, I know some of those answers, but I wanted the founder to tell me because that kind of vision, it might be tough right now, but when your mission at the when your mission and the actions that you take, when they match your mission and when your customers understand and know that, that is brand. That is a customer experiencing a brand. Is that the entire story of brand and branding and all of that other fun stuff? No. In fact, I would say I am definitely not a brand marketer. So if there are any out there who are listening to this, please correct me on that. But when a customer really experiences your mission statement, man, that's like, that's gold. That's butter right there. This might actually be a perfect time to be thinking and shifting that mindset towards brand. What does your company ultimately stand for at the end of the day? I think the other thing too that is painfully obvious even now and also very bittersweet but i think it's very obvious that customers are reacting to brands that are really standing up for what they believe in and ones in which they really feel the support from and not like in the hey sign up for my free trial because i'm extending it for an extra 15 days kind of way but like in a oh my gosh you're donating to this particular fund or Oh my gosh, you you helped this particular hospital acquire these masks. I mean, there's just so many ways to give back. And if it matches and aligns with your mission statement, that just strengthens the brand. Other ways that you can, of course, can, uh, think about brand campaigns or just brand in general. I come back to thought leadership quite a lot. But I, at the end of the day, people, especially during this incredibly challenging time, they're looking for answers and they're looking for hope. I think it's really easy to get lost in the doom and gloom. And in fact, I think most of our brains are wired for it. (laughs) Of course we want the negative. But I also think that so many of us want the positive as well. So if you can be that beacon of light and if it matches your mission statement, perfect. And if it doesn't, maybe it's time to start thinking about your brand and what you ultimately stand for, what your vision is and what your stake is in the ground on this incredibly challenging time but how you can be that beacon of hope and light for your customers. Like begets like. Your vibe, I mean, it attracts your tribe. So if your vibe is, hey, we really want to help, you are going to attract people who are probably going to be prospects and customers one day. But you're going to attract those people. And I think that that's, that's you know, the, the beauty and the magic of brand. I completely forgot to mention voice 
But voice is also a part of brand. As you go through this exercise of thinking about what your business is and what does it stand for, that mission statement and how you want to react and how you want to respond and how you want to, of course, be the beacon of light, it also comes down to voice. One brand in particular that comes to mind is Gymshark. This is a, a fitness brand. They, uh, I believe they're, you know, B2C. They offer like fitness apparel. My favorite example of them <laughs> using their voice was actually something they did recently. They changed their name from Gymshark to Homeshark temporarily. This is an example of them playing with brand, using their voice as a way to inspire, but also remind people that, hey, like we're in this together and we're going to get out of this together. They changed the name of their brand from Gymshark to Homeshark because for them, at least, they felt that they need that people needed to be reminded that it's 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 stay at home time (laughs) in order to get through this we got to stay at home to me that was an example of not just does this align with our mission statement but also using their voice no like they didn't change everything to home shark but still i i just thought that it was a great example of we're contributing to this conversation with our voice and here's how we're doing it i think the biggest thing and and this is the the thing i think that hurts even for me to say because so much of the work that i do is driven by How many free trials can we generate? How many leads can we convert? How many demos can we close? And don't get me wrong, like those are, that's the kind of mentality and mindset that a growth marketer should have. And that's definitely the kind of mindset that I have anytime I'm working with a new account or a client. But I think that the whole point of a brand campaign or anything to do with brand really is that it doesn't need to convert. It just needs to build rapport and build trust. Because when we all do come out on the other end of this, the brands that are remembered are going to be the ones who did that. And that's just exactly why I encourage it for you. The last one that I'm going to leave you with is all about building your resilience. Every single free trial, sign up, account created, demo requested, incoming chat message, each of those are going to feel more and more like gold. And every time you don't get them, it is going to likely tank your mindset. It's going to, it's going to hurt. <laughs> MRR, I mean, whatever, whatever that thing is that gives you that rush, you might not see it as often or as frequent. And that's something that I think a lot of us are just mentally and emotionally preparing for. We're not always going to see the results as quickly as maybe we did once. And then of course, there's the other side of this. So not just from a growth perspective, but from an experience perspective, and a financial perspective, and a security perspective, and a personal perspective. I mean, I think we're all dealing with, it seems like we're all kind of getting hit from all sides on, on this. Overall, though, I'm I'm not going to tell you to be positive, actually. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you to stay positive. And the reason why is because you are getting hit from all different sides and angles. And, and I think that the reality is that you're going to have dark moments. You're going to have moments where you want to quit you're going to worry. You're going to have sleepless nights. I know I have absolutely already experienced that. (laughs) You're going to have moments where you do break down and where you do panic. I only wish that you give yourself space, time, and compassion to yourself for experiencing those emotions because they are natural. They are human. But I also hope that you give others that, give others the same exact space and time and compassion. But I think above all, I don't know if telling you to stay positive is, is, is the best response. I actually think that telling you to stay resilient, be resilient, be thinking about ways that you can bounce back 
not any time, but every time. I think that there's this, um, cannot remember where I heard this from, but there was this really great example uh, or metaphor, if you will, about resilience. And it was about professional athletes and how many people think that professional athletes are superhuman, which don't get me wrong, they kind of are. But the secret in their superhumanness is actually in their recovery. They recover just infinitely faster than the average person, than the average exercise junkie or, you know, whatever. Professional athletes recover fast. The secret is in their recovery. That is what I hope that you start thinking about as well. How can you recover as fast as possible? Under stress, how can you still perform? It only comes with taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, and nourishing yourself wherever you need to. I know that sounds fluffy. I'm sorry. Or maybe I'm not sorry, actually. I'm not going to apologize. It is fluffy, but it works. That's the kind of stuff that leaders actually do. So if you're going to be down, be down and be compassionate towards yourself while you're down. But do not forget to come back up. Don't forget to be resilient. You'll find that every time you're hit again and again and again, you'll recover even faster the next time. And that's what we call building muscle, just to make that exercise and fitness metaphor really sink in. All right, to close this out, I want to leave you with a quote from one of Dylan Thomas's most famous poems. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. I hope you rage with me, especially since skies seem pretty gray at the moment. But my question to you is how are you preparing yourself and your business during this extraordinary time? Because it's definitely definitely pretty interesting. Thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really wish you the best. Let me know what you think. Until next time. Bye guys.